these acts that we just put off. We were just like, oh, I don't want to deal with that right now. I don't want to deal with that right now. But that could be the one courageous act that, you know, we do that starts a change in our entire life. Welcome to your Journey to Joy podcast. I'm your host, Moira Gorski, and I'm on a mission to help you find joy in the chaos of life. As a retired nurse, multi-passionate entrepreneur, and mom of four adult children, I know what it's like to feel the overwhelm of it all and wonder if and when the joy will show up again. And I've learned it's up to us to go find that joy. On this show, you will hear inspiring stories from those who have overcome all kinds of life challenges, tips on how to stay healthy and vibrant during the ups and downs of life, and simple ways on finding joy in your own life. Let's face it, life is messy, yet when we travel together on this journey, support and encourage each other along the way, that joy starts to show up again. I'm so excited to lead you on this journey of you to find the joyful life that you deserve. Well, welcome to another episode of the podcast. It's so exciting today because I have not only one guest, but two guests with me today. And I'm so excited to share them with you. I am continuing to get to know them and most importantly, what they are doing in the world to help to bring change and bring uh, mindfulness and bring this possibility that things can be different regardless of what our past looks like, what our story's been, that there is always an opportunity for more joy, for more change and for more goodness in the world. So um, Lane Kennedy and Tamar Medford are joining me today. Just thrilled to, Lane reached out to me on LinkedIn and said, hey, I I I think we should talk about the work that you do and the work that we do. And let's have this conversation and let's see how we can collaborate and help more people together. So I'm thrilled that the two of you ladies have joined me today. Thanks for having us, Moira. It's really great to be here. Uh, Tamar and I uh, have been hanging out uh, since pandemic. I think it was the second year in the pandemic that we met each other mm-hmm. uh, when everybody was just freaking out, you know, <laughs> and it's just been wonderful. It's so wonderful to meet people in the online space and create conversations and relationships. And that's what we're doing with you. So thanks for having us. Yeah, you're very welcome. Um, I was just talking with someone before this and, you know, I think what people are craving and we, I talk up, I talk to a lot of women. Um, I think what women are craving these days is connection, relationships, mm-hmm. authentic relationships and the fact that those relationships and mentorship that they can trust because the world was kind of disrupted and the world that we know, right, was disrupted. And, um, and people are a little, little gung shy about that, I think. And they're sometimes afraid. And so they're really searching for these authentic relationships. And I think when we can share a story of, again, what's happened to us, Somebody asked me the other day and asked my daughter, who's starting to do some online type of support, art support groups. They said, well, are you a therapist? They said to my daughter and she goes, no. And I said, Anna, use the term, you're an expert by experience. You've gone through eight years of eating disorder treatment and struggle and stuff like that. You have become an expert because of your experience. I'm an expert by experience. I don't, I have a RN behind my name, but so anyway, we love it can uh, create that support for other people by sharing our story. So I'd like you to, you know, you guys to share, um, you talk about sobriety 
in that space and again, mindfulness. And so I'd love for you to share just a little bit again, how you, how you, your stories, each one of them and how you found each other on this mission to spread this living sober and more mindful and creating change. Sure. Uh, so I live in long-term re- recovery and what that means is that I haven't had a drink or a drug or a Snickers bar in 20, over 26 years. And it, you know, it, I don't say that number like, oh my God, look at me, check me out. I say that number because it's possible. It's possible to live in a state of recovery from a deadly state of mind. And when you're drinking every day, that is a state of mind. Or when you're eating Snickers bars for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, that's a state of mind. And I live in remission from that state of mind, which is really, really, it's phenomenal. Like I can't believe it (laughs) because I could not stop. Uh, And my life was falling apart. It was getting really small, but it looked really good on the outside. You know, I had a, a couple of cars. I had a huge house in the Hollywood Hills. I had a pedigree dog. I had, you know, five closets. I had 500 pair of shoes. I had a job that paid the bills. I had a big fat paycheck. So like on the outside, it all looked really good, but the inside I was crumbling and dying. And so the fact that I have over 26 years of continuous recovery is just, again, it's mind blowing to me. Uh, and I found through the years I had to grow as a person, evolve. And there have been many bumps. It has not been smooth, Moira. Let me tell you, it is not, this is not a smooth journey. It's not, it's like, it's super messy. I am super messy. Uh, When I had my son, he's 13. So I had, when I had him, you know, I had postpartum for a couple of years. I didn't understand what anger or rage was. And I found myself screaming at somebody on the side of the road. And I discovered like, oh, I'm suffering, right? I I have this internal rage machine happening. And so that's when I found, you know, this, this practice of mindfulness and going down that rabbit hole. And, you know, over the past 10 years, really exploring how to share that with other people and to teach people how to find and deepen, you know, their practice, whatever that looks like for them. Yeah. And it was really, it's been really, really cool. And, you know, being in the online space, you can meet so many amazing people, right? So that's how Tamar and I met. Tamar? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. um, Moira, thank you for having us on the show. First of all, um, I live in long-term recovery as well, although I feel like a baby sometimes because I feel like the more sober I get, the less I know because the more I learn. And I love the fact that I become open-minded. So I'm just about to hit my 11 years uh, next month. And I was a very functioning alcoholic for the majority of my addiction. You know, I had started when I was 14 and, and things had progressed, but towards the end, I thought I had everything that I was supposed to have. You know, I was married. I had the 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 condo, the nice car. I did not have 500 pairs of shoes. I probably had more like 20 or 30, um, one closet. But, you know, I, on the outside, people thought, you know, I had the good job. People thought, wow, she's doing pretty well. Now, those that were close to me 
knew that I was falling apart. And I felt, you know, I was financially bankrupt. Um, but I tried to, you know, I tried to make it look like I was doing really well with all the material stuff. But I was really, really physically and spiritually bankrupt um, when I had turned 36. And at one point, I just decided I don't want to live anymore, you know, because nobody's accepting sorry anymore. They just don't understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I just thought, if I have all this stuff, why is life so hard? And I feel like, you know, a lot of people don't make the decision to get sober because it might look like they're doing okay. And it's like, maybe I drink a little bit too much once in a while, but I knew I was very spiritually bankrupt. And when I got sober, it was a very bumpy journey. I mean, at first I was not having most of it. I thought I'll do it my way. <laughs> and my way did not work um, very long. And I was white knuckling it. So I'm so grateful for the community that I had built in that first year of women who had long-term sobriety and would give me that friendly slap. You know, they weren't afraid to hurt my feelings because they knew that it would save my life. And if I was serious, that I would take their suggestions. And around the five-year mark, I got incredibly complacent. I just thought, is this it? Like, is this what sobriety gives me? There has to be more. And I didn't want to go back because I knew what going back would do and how that would look. And so I decided to seek out my purpose in life. And I thought, like you said, right, that experience, I had a mentor say, why can't you share your story? Why can't you help others? Because you have 22 years of experience with addiction to food, drugs, alcohol. I'm sure somebody can relate to your story. And so I decided to get brave. I started a podcast in my own business. Uh, quit my corporate job, which felt so good, but so scary with no safety net. Um, and then, yeah, through the pandemic, Lane and I met because both of us had said we're sober women. And actually, uh, uh, my old podcast coach said, you guys got to connect, right? So it kind of goes to show you that when we start to become open and vulnerable about sharing our stories, people will connect, especially in this world, right? The online world is like, you got to meet so-and-so. They're sober mm -hmm. as well. And yeah, the rest is history. We just connected and thought, let's help women. Because it's not enough to just get sober. Mm -hmm. People need to stay sober. And that's what we want to focus is on that life after that. It's it's awesome. All of that. And, you know, you talk about how, again, it the outward appearance for mm -hmm. both of you, people would have not thought that there was anything wrong at all. And, you know, looking at those external things to bring us happiness, but in the end, they're really, you know, as my husband would always say, does always say, you know, happiness starts is comes from within, which is, you know, it's, it's true. I always roll my eyes when I say that, but, but it's true <laughs> is that happiness really is there inside of us and it's up to us to, to create that happiness. And I interviewed somebody last week who's also living a sober life, which you guys should probably meet. I'll get you guys connected. Mm -hmm. She had a, it's a beautiful story that she told me, but she, many people, I believe when they talk about a sober life, they think it's going to be a somber life. Oh, and yeah. her life just, I can't remember all the terms she used, but it was so beautiful to listen to her, how her life has just opened up and how the life that she's living now is she 
just can't imagine a life any different than that because it's so beautiful. And I think, tomorrow, what you said, you were open-minded. I've said that to so many people throughout my journey of life and my healing and how I wasn't really open-minded just because that's the way I, you know, I just kind of had this narrow thinking and not thinking about all that spiritual stuff and, oh, maybe that's the work of the devil or maybe that's, you know, all of those kind of things because that's just the way I was raised. That was a conversation that I heard in my home. But really, once I met my husband and he was much more open to different things and then the different people I've met along the way, being open to just, and that's an MBSR thing too, is that noticing piece of it, like being open and like noticing, notice your feelings or noticing what's happening here. And then we can make a choice from there. But I think that open-mindedness, I heard you say that is so important for people to be open because I think there is that fear of like, what if I do give up drinking or drugs or what if I can't go to that party or what if I decide not to drink at the party, those kind of things. There's a lot of fear there, right? Of what your life's going to be like when it's been like this for so long, even though you're miserable. Yeah. I thought when I first got sober, I thought, do I have to do this forever? Like, how am I ever going to have fun again? But I've had the most fun I've ever had in my life. And I mean, it's just, I can't even explain it sometimes. Like if I would have looked back 11 years ago and, and said, this is the life you're going to have, or somebody had told me that I'd be like, you're silly. Like that's never going to happen. And I mean, we remember the good times now. So that's a bonus. Well, yeah. Right. And so you, Lane, you've talked a little bit about, again, mindfulness and the work that you do. You said you're fascinated by DNA. I'm obsessed. Yeah, obsessed with the DNA. And so tell me what that means. Like, uh, I get the mindfulness and the meditation, but I get what obsessions are. Um, Sounded like you kind of were obsessed with shoes. I'd love to know what your size was, because maybe we could have shared a closet. (laughs) I I remember when I was um, living, you know, when I was single and living with my girlfriend who became my maid of honor, like we would shop in each other's closets. Like we didn't know what to wear. I'm just going to go shop in Trisha's closet. You know, I always love that. It made me think of that. Well, in my previous life, my prior life, right? So I modeled for many years. And so I just had clothes, so many outfits, so many things, right? And, And I had, I had to have shoes with each outfit. It just made sense to do that. Right. So I didn't like, it's just the thinking how I used to think. Um, I had become obsessed with brands and outfits and, uh, products. Uh, and I think that's carried through even into my recovery. And when I talk about my obsession with DNA, a hundred percent, I've been obsessed with it, uh, for several years now. Uh, it started when my son was newly born and, you know, trying to understand like, should we, or should we not look at his genetic profile? And I was like, yes, <laughs> you know, because I've been a biohacker for 25 years and really curious about the human body and how it operates and functions. So DNA is something very near and dear to my heart because it really reveals who we are. It's, it is this blueprint of each person, which that is just fascinating. I get so excited about that. It answers questions that are unanswerable. You know, like I could not figure out what was happening with my body, you know, and 
then I looked at the DNA and it was, oh, it's very clear to me what was happening. Uh, and so I'm able to look at certain genes or certain pathways, we call them, of the body and then specific genes. And then we can make lifestyle changes, which is incredible. So if you're like overweight or you're not sleeping well, or you've got, um, you know, a rash all over your body, we can, you know, I can look at somebody's report and go, okay, well, let's make these lifestyle changes so you can perhaps sleep more deeply <laughs> or start to, you know, lose that weight that you just, it's not budging. You know, I think we've lived in a society now where it's like this diet's going to work or this is going to work or this diet, right? So we're, we're a diet society, but we're, we're human beings. And so each human is going to be different. Uh, so we have to figure out what is unique to you and what needs to be put into your body and who wants to live on a diet for their whole life. Mm -hmm. Not me. <laughs> no. And that's the frustrating part. You know, I'm in the wellness field as well. Yeah. And, you know, a brand ambassador for a wellness company. Um, and, you know, I've talked you know, mentored many people to get healthier and lose weight yeah. and things like that. But I hear it so often, well, I'm doing keto, or I'm doing intermittent fasting, or if I'm doing this, or what about this? And what about this? I'm like, we're not all the same. Mm. So if doing the keto or doing whatever that fasting is, maybe that works for you, but it doesn't mean that it's going to work for the other person. And I'm, I mean, I just, I'm all about anti-diet again, with this whole experience with an eating disorder and and having somebody with an eating disorder and being in that world of restriction and yep. suffering and all of that like let's just figure and i'm so excited again when you can same thing when you can look at something and then make some changes so that you can live mm. feeling great sleep better and sometimes it's just it's just a few little things or it's a lot of big things i want to share this story because i think it's really uh, just so on point here. Remember when the Bulletproof diet came out? That was like maybe 10 years ago. Bulletproof, Dave Asbury, put butter in your coffee. It's the way to, to get healthy and feed your brain. So I was like, yes, I'm, I'm a part of this, right? I'm, I'm doing it. And very quickly I put on about 20 pounds and, mm -hmm. and I was like, why this is, this is not right. I don't understand. And I remember going to the conference and raising my hand and saying, Dave, and what's the deal? I have done everything that has been a part of this protocol and it's not working. And he said, well, there's something, there must be something that you're missing. And he, he didn't have an explanation for me, right? Because it wasn't scientifically validated through anything. It was just his kind of way of being in life. And he had his, his experience. And so, you know, fast forward to me unraveling my DNA and finding out that I actually have a, a propensity uh, where saturated fat is not a good thing for me, where it could be for somebody else. Keto bomb all day for some people, but for me, keto bombs do not work at all. Like they put me closer to death. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. again, the importance of understanding your own unique profile is so important nowadays. I mean, it's like one in three people is suffer, are suffering from diabetes. It's like, we don't have to, we don't have to live like that. 
Totally agree with you. I mean, diabetes is this lifestyle disease, but some people don't want to look at that. Uh-uh. I know somebody, you know, very close to me who doesn't want to go to the doctor. He doesn't want to get the test. He doesn't want to do those things because then like, why don't you just live? Like we can just all live forever. Right. And like, I don't want to, he doesn't want to look at those. People don't want to look at the things because perhaps then it will, then they have to change. Then they have to change. Yeah. Then they have to change. Who wants to change? That's going to be awkward and uncomfortable. And we look at people sometimes and go, but aren't you just so miserable? Like, aren't you miserable? You keep telling me you're miserable. So why don't you want to change or why don't, aren't you willing to step forward to change? And um, it's frustrating because we want to help people, but people are so like stuck. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to go to Tamar, you mentioned before we went on, you know, you do the neuro reprogramming and things like that. And sometimes, again, I've seen that with um, our daughter, uh, with with ketamine and with some of her treatment. I've interviewed people with that. I've talked to other people about neuro reprogramming and things like that. And that can make lasting change and help people create that lasting change. So tell me a little bit about what you get obsessed with and what you're excited about with that. Well, I'm obsessed with helping women create a life for themselves where they don't want to go back to their old way of living. Because when I discovered my purpose and wanting to help other people, wanting to create, um, you know, build websites, uh, produce podcasts, that kind of stuff, it gave me a reason to wake up every day other than just going to my Monday to Friday job. And it allowed me the courage to leave my corporate job and say, okay, enough's enough, like I'm settling here. Um, So a couple of years ago, I found a program called the NeuroChange Method. And it's a neuroscience and psychology program where it helps you learn how to rewire your brain. And, you know, it all starts with purpose. It starts talking about, you know, the philosophy, the psychology behind why purpose is actually very healthy. It's good for our well-being. You know, it can reduce things like depression, anxiety, because it gives us a reason to get up every day. And I think, like you said, a lot of people are afraid to change because they don't know what they don't know. Um, And unfortunately, a lot of people have to hit that really low point in their lives for them to go, okay, it's time to do something. But that just gives you a little bit more vision, a little bit more excitement, and you start to do things that make you happy, right? You start to be intentional about the time you put aside for yourself. And it's like, I actually want to go and do yoga, or I'd like to sign up for a meditation class or do Zumba, or whatever that looks like. Um, It doesn't necessarily have to do with a job change. And then we get into changing those beliefs, you know, learning about emotional intelligence and what that looks like, because you had mentioned community, I think the one of the many gifts that I've gotten about becoming sober is I have built a community of like-minded women that I can be vulnerable to. I can be completely honest with, and I know they're not going to judge me. I know that they give me that safe space and learning to express your emotions more. And then basically we get into learning about the brain. And at first I was like, oh, you know, I don't want to learn about the brain and stuff, but It was fascinating because, um, you know, I mentioned this recently, the whole, you can't teach a dog old tricks. Well, you can actually. And neuroplasticity 
says we can, right? Uh, we can always be developing our brain. And just by learning more about your brain, and it's in a very simple way that everyday people can understand, you can actually start to change the way you think and you rewire your brain, essentially. Yeah. Well, Joe Dispenza, you can, you know, I'm sure you probably read his work. And if people yeah. haven't, you know, look him up. I mean, it's, um, he gets, he, he goes way down deep with all of that. Um, but it is, um, it can be, again, those simple, simple things of, of thinking or doing or meditating or things like that. Again, that's what I continue to talk to other women about. It's like, just start small. It can be just a simple thing from day to day. Um, I realized I had gotten way off my meditation practice and because um, I I do usually use Insight Timer and they so nicely will tell you how many days you've been meditating. And I went back in and picked a guided meditation. And I was like, man, when is the last time I even use this app? Or I tend to sit in the front room. And like, those are all things that I tell people too. It's like, if you're going to take your vitamins, are you going to go do this? Like figure out like a the same place, like every day. And when I meditate and journal, I usually sit in the front room or now that it's nice out here in the Midwest, I have a bench and I just bought a new cushion for it. And so I go sit in the bench. That's where I meditated this morning. Um, but um, again, I realized that I'd gotten off my practice, but it's like, okay, well then I just start again. And it's just going to start the timer. And now it's two on the timer. When I check in tomorrow, it's going to be three. So it's just resetting things um, and just kind of restarting and just doing a simple. But also one thing you said was about the emotions and being vulnerable. And um, again, I've heard that conversation so much on this podcast and with others. It's like, again, when you're in this state of numbing yourselves out, whatever you're using, you're not feeling your emotions. I talk about that when I'm doing ballroom dance. I'm so much in my head. I need to start feeling into my heart. But when we've been numbing ourselves out or we're going, going, going in life, we don't we don't deal with those emotions. And then once we don't have that drink or we, you know, open ourselves, it's it's really it's messy. Like you said, Lane, you're messy. I mean, it's it's it can be messy and it can be scary to be vulnerable like that. Brought to you by Gorski Wellness and the possibility of a better you. Are you feeling sluggish? Ready for a change? Need more energy? Up for a bigger challenge? I'm Moira Gorski, retired nurse and wellness advocate. For over 22 years, I've been helping people live healthier lives while making small changes each and every day. Those small changes lead my clients to living a healthier lifestyle with markedly better health. As a brand ambassador for the Shackley Corporation, the most clinically proven wellness company in the world, I guide my clients to make healthier choices each day with their food, supplements, skincare, workouts, and mindset. They say getting started is half the battle. Let's make healthy happen together. If you're ready for simple, natural, sustainable solutions to feeling and looking your best, let's connect. You'll find a link in the show notes or reach out to me at moiragorski.com. Here's to a better you. But that's really what we, I get excited about that kind of stuff. Like getting people together, just give them that, that safe space of a chance to, for them to be vulnerable and to work with their emotions. Can you talk a little bit about that? Again, the things that perhaps came up or just your experience dealing with that as you 
kind of took that fog away, if you will. Well, I think because I grew up with a, a parent that meant well, but was always pushing me to do better, it, you know, if I didn't get a good job, I wasn't worthy. And so I developed this perfectionism. I had to do everything right. I, I needed those that outside validation. I could never just be happy for what I was doing myself. And I, I was always raised to believe that if you're emotional or you cry, that that means you're weak. And so, of course, you know, over the years, everything, it, I almost wore that non-emotional side of myself as a badge of honor. Like, look at how strong I am. But I was falling apart. <laughs> I mean, I've seen a lot of therapists over my lifetime. And you know, going into uh, into sobriety, the first year, I think I cried more that year than I had my entire life. And at first, it felt icky. That's the only word I can explain. Like it just, it was a new emotion, or it was just a new way of me being. I I didn't know it well, unless I was completely drunk. And it was, you know, a, a drunk cry. But it felt good. Like every time I cried, I'm like, okay, I feel a little bit better. I feel a little bit better. And just the women, like I said earlier, that I've met gave me that space. And I'm like, okay, maybe I can be honest. And that allowed me to live a more honest life today. And just that safe space of people who understood what I was going through. So that felt really good. You look like you got to say something, Lane. I think there's something, you know, getting involved with that community or being around like-minded women um, allows or gives permission, right. For me to just soften myself, to be curious, to be more open-minded, um, as somebody in recovery, you know, I had very fixed, very fixed mindset come to find out 26 years later. I'm very, what did you call it tomorrow? Growth mindset. I have a growth, I have a really big growth mindset now, which that has taken time and practice. And it's also um, like, again, I just go back to this, this word community and having a community of women who have encouraged me to ask questions, to fall apart. They've given me a safe space to, um, you know, like I'm all of a sudden talking about plastic surgery. Okay. Like what? I'm talking about like aging what? Right. But I do it because there's other women who are in my community, in my circle, talking about these things. You know, they're talking about their kids, you know, going off and having other kids, right. They're, they're becoming grandmothers. They're adulting. And I'm like, what? But listening to their experience just gives me the space to be a human, to be messy. It's okay. A hundred percent. It is okay to be messy at this stage, especially after this pandemic situation. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. More messiness is okay. Well, and again, that I can't say enough about community either or finding people, maybe it's one person, but that's holding, that's saving space for you. That's holding space for you yeah. to be awesome, to be creative, to be messy, whatever that is. I talk about the first dance instructor that I had. And I used to, you know, I, it, it was, I don't know. I never expected to be there dancing with some 
26 year old, 30, what, however, it doesn't matter, you know, 30 year old guy from who'd been dancing since he was six from Moldova, who was a world champ. And he was teaching me how to dance. And I was so inspired by him. But what he was doing was really, I said that in the beginning, I was, he was holding space for me to be awesome. He saw, he saw, you know, some creative creativeness and he saw some talent in me and he held space for me to be awesome. And he let me, I had plenty of times that I cried, plenty of times that I was pissed off and stuff like that. But having that person, and I thought about that, I used him as an example to say, that's who I want to be for other people. And that's what we're talking about here. We want to be, have, be in a place where we can hold space for, for just people to be. And it, that it's okay. And I, as I started to go on my journey of uh, healing during while my daughter was struggling and trying to figure my way back to a strong mental and physical health during that time, I would go to, I went to retreats and I went to different meetings and events and things like that. And the more women I met, I heard their stories. I'm like, wow. Like, like you said, it gave me permission to not to be like, okay, well, I guess, well, here's my story. I'm going to tell you my story. They told their story and I look at them and I was like, everybody needs a little bit of grace mm-hmm. because when you hear other people's stories, some of these women, I'm like, how do you, sh- how do you get up every day? How do you show up each day with that was what your past was? Again, we can, we can encourage other people to say that, yes, this was your past, but that doesn't have to define who you are today and who you can be in the future. And I think a lot of people during this pandemic have done that. Like, I'm not happy. Like, I really don't want to be doing this anymore. Again, many get stuck though. Like, what can I do then? Or I really can't make a change, but I love what you gals are doing. You've, again, you're showing other people that you can, you can make a change. You can step, step out of what you're doing if you're unhappy and you can make a change for something different. And I think it's, it's, having that moment of courage, you know, like being really brave and saying, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do it differently. And maybe doing it differently means I'm not going to drink coffee today. Right. That could, that could be the thing that starts the change. Or maybe being brave means I'm going to open my mail and sort my bills out right? It's everybody's brave is different. Maybe it's, I'm going to be brave today and I'm going to make a doctor's appointment because I've been worried about my foot or, you know, my stomach or whatever it is, right? These acts that we just put off, we are just like, oh, I don't want to deal with that right now. I don't want to deal with that right now. But that could be the one courageous act that, you know, we do that starts a change in our entire life. That is really cool. And I think that can start the the joy factor in somebody's life. That could set that domino effect off. Like, oh, I'm not drinking coffee today. Oh, that means I have space to take the dogs on a walk. Oh, and my dogs are so cute and playful. And right, we don't even know what's going to happen. But taking that courageous act, that brave moment, like, okay, I'm going to do something different. Mm-hmm. And it can be so small. It's so small. Tamar, what's your small, small moment of bravery today? Uh, going outside and mm. being in nature when 
I really just wanted to stay inside and, and lay in my bed for another half an hour. But I know what it's going to do for me. Yeah. Moira, do you have one? Well, today my little brave was to go to the health club by myself. My girlfriend has been teaching me about weight training for us women as we age. And uh, she's in California now trying to find a house to move into mm. uh, for a few days. She's out there. And I was like, oh, I'll just go do a class. You know, I'm like, nope, I'm going to go do, I'm going to follow the program that she gave me. And so I was there, even though my headphones died, so I couldn't listen to my music. But I was like, okay. And I did. I went through the program. I understood all of the th steps that she sh showed me. But I also, before I came on here, I told you I'm back to back today and I'm feeling a little like, but it's Tuesday and I always dance on Tuesday. So I reached out to my instructor before this and I said, can I come in a little later? Hopefully he has a lesson later. But that was kind of like, you know what I need? Like I need to get out after this interview and then I have another quick call. I need to get out and walk. It's beautiful. Like I was like, I need that today. I wouldn't have done that before. I, you know, I'd be like, okay, we just got to keep going, keep going. And then I'd show up and I'm just overwhelmed. And it's like, no, no, slow down. Like just see. See if there's a possibility that you could just come in uh, at the next lesson, you know? I think that's so cool. Yeah. And it's it's just paying attention to us and what we need. Yep. I think that we live in a society that we're always concerned about what everybody else is going to think and what's the husband going to think and the friend going to think and the kid's going to think and the boss going to think and all of that. But what about what what you think, right? And what's important to me? And screw everybody else. <laughs> Doesn't matter what they think. What's the most important thing is what you think first. Mm -hmm. And that's supposed to be most important. It's hard. People don't think that way. No. And something I want to add to that is that, you know, we all know there's a stigma when it comes to addiction. But mm -hmm. I think there's also a stigma of saying you need help, mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of women 100%. don't do what they need to do to be happy or fulfilled because they're too afraid to go against what they've always known. Mm -hmm. And I think just the fact that, you know, um, women like us are sharing our stories openly and not ashamed of it. Mm -hmm. Hopefully that will allow others to hear it and go, okay, maybe I can share this or maybe I can make these changes. And I think that again, that's where that community comes in. You hear people sharing your story and you're like, I'm not alone in this, but you know, it seems like there's a stigma against women actually wanting to get help and say, I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, when I was going through, you know, this whole thing, you know, several years ago and at a course, it was that, that was the big thing that just hit me in the forehead that I don't ask for help. And it's because I felt like asking for help meant that I was incapable that I wasn't able, and I'm just somebody that goes and gets shit done, you know, I just go and do it. And I ask questions later. So if I asked for help, that would mean, cause that's what my mom, my, that's what my mom modeled. You know, she didn't show her emotion. She just got it done. She never talked about it. So I love to just say, you know what? I just need a little extra support today, you know? And that feels better for me. If I just say, I just need a little support. And sometimes it's, like this friend who I interviewed last week, she said, I have a date with myself once a week. I just make a date and I go to the movies. Nobody likes to go to see the movies. So I go to the, I go to the movies and I buy the popcorn and I eat the diet, drink the diet Coke and eat the popcorn all myself. You know, that that's, that's the support she needs. You know, it's asking for support. Um, and sometimes it can be just a, 
a friendly phone call to a friend, or it can be like, hey, I got to, do you know a good person that I can go talk to? It doesn't mean we're incapable. We just need a little extra support right now. I'm all for support. Like, give me more, give me more support. (laughs) Just, I need all the support I can get. I was listening uh, with a client this morning and, you know, she was saying, I've got the kids, I've got the dogs, I've got the husband wanting coffee. I have to work. And some, at some point I have to eat. She's like, but I don't even eat some days. Right. And, and it's like, this is women, mothers, we're just in this cycle of go, go, go. So again, I'm just going to go back to that courageous, brave act of saying, I need support. I can't do it all today. Like I now tell my son, I can't do that today. And, he, and at first he was like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. But now he's at that place where it's like, I can't do that today. I can do it tomorrow, but not today. And he's like, okay. Right. So in my mind, I think I'm disappointing him where I think that first moment he was like, what do you mean? You can't do it. But now I've just shifted his perception. Like I have like a boundary that says I have to take care of me today. You know, now he asked me, are you going to go work out now? Are you, are you going to work out? <laughs> like, okay. Okay. But what a great example. That's what, you know, that's, we need to be those living, living examples to our children, to our team, to our friends, friends. Yeah. You know, setting those boundaries is about teaching other people how we want to be treated. Yes. And it's not easy, but I love what you said. Like the first time it's kind of like those other people are like, what? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then they get used to the fact that like, oh, that's right. She's going to go work out or she's going to go have her quiet time by the bench. We don't bother her anymore. Right. You know, that kind of thing. I mean, they get used to it, but that's, that's okay. That's okay. hundred percent because then I'm a really nice mom. Right. And he, I, right. Like then I'm joyful and I'm happy and I'm doing my happy dances and people are like, whoa, what's going on there? I want to hang out with her. I want to be around it, Right. Like that's that, that joy effect, that joy domino that right. I just, oh, we need more of it. We need more of it, Moira. We need more of it. <laughs> I know. I know. And again, I can, I can say it. I just say it all the time and we'll wrap up here. But I always say again, when we're in the midst of our crap and our bad days and things like that, where I was, it was like, when is it going to get better? And maybe the listeners are thinking the same thing. Well, when's it going to get better? Like, you don't understand. This is the way my life is. And this is, I get it. You guys get it. And I learned that if we sit and wait around for it to be better, it's just not going to happen. It's really up to us. We need to go find the things. And again, you're probably sitting there going, well, what's going to make me happy again? What's going to bring the joy? I don't know. But it's these simple things. It's being brave today to do something or to not do something or not be reactive when your husband says something or fly off the handle when your friend, I'm just saying, you know, when your friend says something or when your dog chews your favorite shoe up or something, like we're not going to react. And then we're going to choose to like, well, maybe I'm going to go try the dance class or maybe I'm going to go to the meetup group and we walk around the park or whatever it is, just take that simple, that one step. And then you try it again. And then you try it again. And before you know it, you find yourself like, wow, I'm a happier mom. I'm a more productive, you know, leader. I'm a better friend. 
It just takes some time, but it's up to us, right? Nobody's going to come and drag us out. It's up to us. Nobody's coming. <laughs> Nobody's coming. I want to write a book that's called Nobody's Coming. <laughs> I know. Mel Robbins says that so much. Nobody's coming. Nobody's coming. Yeah, as we wrap up today, again, we could continue to talk. And I, again, so love that we're connected because yeah. I know that we'll continue to, mm -hmm. to talk and see how we can help more people. 100%. I'd love for you to just each share just kind of, again, maybe a couple last words or a couple of tips that you just want people to to hear from you of to give them encouragement of how they can live a more joyful life or find things that bring them joy or show up for themselves each day. Well, for myself, it would be, you know, start today, make a little change today because the reality is, is that when we start doing what we love, we're able to show up better for those that we love. So, you know, give yourself a little love today. Just try one thing that you normally wouldn't do for yourself and then, you know, do it again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That's really good tomorrow. <laughs> really good. Yeah. Thanks, Lane. Uh, I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to go back to my obsession of DNA of considering investigating your unique profile, finding out, you know, how you're made up. Because once I learned all about that, my whole world changed. So that's my invitation. Mm -hmm. Find out about your DNA. Well, and I'm going to say too, that uh, again, on the, along the same lines of, um, is just be okay with you. You know, I, um, we're all different. We're all uniquely made. I have three wonderful siblings and I often mention them on my podcast because I'm different from them because of I, I'm wired differently. I'm sure our DNA is different. The things that interest them mm -hmm. don't really interest me, but the things that interest me don't really interest them either. And that's okay. I grew up thinking I created a story that that was, I was different and that was wrong. I've come to know as I've done all this different work and learned about the Enneagram and all these different really cool things. It's like, this is who I am. And I want people to know that it's okay being who you are and that to sit into that and, and celebrate that and celebrate who you are. And if it takes getting your DNA tested or going to speak to a therapist or learning about some, doing a course, whatever, but be okay with you. And don't try to be anybody else because you're, you're the way you are because that's the way God made you. And that's, that's okay. hundred percent. Like I need, I need everybody to be themselves. I don't need anybody to pretend to be someone else and who they aren't. So I, I just so appreciate that comment, Moira. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And cause you know, life would be, if we were all the same, Ugh. let me just think about that. It'd be pretty uh. dull. <laughs> It would be a lot of a lot of things, right? But it just, yeah, we just want to all be, you know, be who you are and who you are made to be and go find the things, you know, go again, challenge yourself, be brave, be courageous and find a life that brings you joy because we all deserve that. Please tell our, my listeners where they can find the two of you lovely ladies where you hang out and where they can connect with you. Absolutely. The easiest way is probably just going to our website and it's laughingwithoutliquor.com. Uh, you'll find all our social media stuff, our blog, and you can also reach out to us because we love to hear from our listeners so much. We love it when they ask questions and uh, we can connect. 
I also have a website, just lanekennedy.com. But most everything is at Laughing Without Liquor. Moira, it's been so great hanging out with you again. I'm so grateful. Yeah, it's always, yes, I am as well. It's been a great big part of my day. And uh, I gotta, I'm got i going to connect you with that other gal too, because um, she has ditched the drink. And I think you gals could really uh, make some great connections too. But um, again, thank you for being here. Thank you for taking your time uh, from your day today to share with my audience. And um, I know that I loved it. I know that they will love it too. And my message always is, again, go find the things that bring you joy. You deserve a life that is worth living versus living your best life. So go do that and we'll catch you on the next episode. Hey there, ready to live a more joyful life? Considering connecting with someone who can help you? If so, I'd like to be that person. I offer a free consultation where we determine where the chaos is in your life and how you can learn to bring more joy each and every day. Visit my website, moiragorski.com, or simply email me, moira at moiragorski.com, with more joy in the subject line. I look forward to connecting, and I'm here to say, there will always be some chaos, which requires a little juggling, but you can find joy and live your life intentionally filled with that joy. Let me help you on your journey to joy, and that's joy, the journey of you.